Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on January 19, 2020. The role of the vision prior is part three of the eight-part worship series, A Fresh Start. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 20, and Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. There was a man in Lystra who couldn't walk. He heard Paul talking, and Paul, looking him in the eye, saw that he was ripe for God's work, ready to believe. So he said loud enough for everyone to hear, up on your feet. The man was up in a flash, jumped up, and walked around. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they went wild, calling out, The gods have come down! These men are gods! The priest of the local Zeus shrine set up a parade, bulls and banners and people lined right up to the gates, ready for the ritual sacrifice. When Barnabas and Paul finally realized what was going on, they stopped them. Waving their arms, they interrupted the parade, calling out, What do you think you're doing? We're not gods! We are people just like you, and we're here to bring you the message, to persuade you to abandon these silly God superstitions and embrace God, the living God. We don't make God. God makes us in all of this, sky, earth, sea, everything. Then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium caught up with them and turned the fickle crowd against them. They beat Paul unconscious dragged him outside the town and left him for dead. But as the disciples gathered around him, he came to and got up. He went back into town and the next day left with Barnabas. And from the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name was Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, Today salvation is in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue our worship series of Fresh Start by looking at the final of the three primary leadership components. These are about how we lead and how we fulfill the mission of the church together. Now, over 106 people, if I recall correctly, have taken the primary leadership components assessment. It's one of our major assignments for MCCI, the Missional Church Consultation Initiative. It's the program we're using for self-reflection and growth to help us move into our next life cycle as a church. You can still take this. You can take it online on our website, and there are paper copies in the comments. And friends, I really want you to take this. 
I know that there's a few folks still out there. This is your time. So please go ahead and get that in there. We want to know what your role could be in the life of your church. Two weeks ago, we looked at the spiritual shepherds, the people who ask, why is this God's purpose for us? They bring the heart. Last week, we looked at systems task organizers. They're the ones who ask, how will we get there? And they bring the grit. Next week, we're going to put all three together as we step into our church conference. And today, we're going to define the third and final primary leadership component. I'll have a story of a complex moment when I put that leadership component to use, or rather, God put it to use for me. And a member will tell their complex story uh, with this primary leadership component. A reminder, the complex moment is where your life's journey meets God's heart. It's an older word for confluence. It's often used with, if like two bodies of water merge, they, this one and this one, they converge and they have conflux. Conflux moments are powerful, undeniable intersections between you and God. It's a spiritual moment, a God moment. It comes in many shapes. Often you see it in the looking back. If you need an example that we've looked at in worship recently, I think about when Philip baptizes that Ethiopian eunuch. And they're going through the scriptures, and he, the Ethiopian is just feeling the Spirit, and he says, look, here's water. What's to stop me from being baptized? That's a complex moment. I was thinking about how in the Older Testament, there's one character who refuses to have these heart-to-heart complex moments with God, and that's Jonah. Over and over, God says, hey, let's have a heart-to-heart, and Jonah says, no, I'm out of here, over and over again. A complex moment might be a spiritual nudge, a brief moment when you experience awareness of God's tangible presence or a spirit-prompted emotion such as tears or happiness, hope, penitence, joy, and so on. A complex moment is where your life journey meets God's heart and God puts these moments in our lives all the time. Are we open to them? In Acts, Paul attempts to make a complex moment happen in Lystra. There's this miraculous healing, and people proclaim him and Barnabas as gods. That's what they know for their system. And and Paul does not get a big head and say, yeah, that sounds good. He says, no, whoa, whoa, what do you think you're doing? This this isn't about your, your God superstitions. This is about God, the real God. And it doesn't go so well for Paul. They don't like that. They beat him and they leave him for dead. That's a, it's a good lesson for most pastors, I think. Maybe watch out. Paul tries to offer this new vision, this living God, and they're just not ready for it. They aren't open here in that community. And if you think about where we've been in Acts, Acts is this roller coaster where the people are open or closed to complex moments. whether you're Jewish and embracing Jesus for the first time, or you're a Gentile who's new to the faith, it doesn't matter. Some are open to new vision, and some aren't. Is that only in the early church? Is that ever in churches today? Is that ever in organizations or in the world today? Paul's role here is as vision crier, speaking to a divine dream that leads us to new life. So let's look at the vision crier, the final primary leadership component, more closely and its role in the life of the church. The vision crier represents the perennial question that energizes or terrifies a congregation, where are we going? We need vision criers who can talk about untapped potential 
and get us dreaming God-sized dreams. So vision criers, you provide the zest. If shepherds provide the heart, if system task organizers provide the grit, vision criers, you provide the zest. You're energized by pointing toward the future destination and bathing it with inspiration. You're infectious with your enthusiasm. You're characteristically dissatisfied with the status quo, and you've always got new ideas to try on for size. Does this sound like anyone in our congregation? Has someone come up with what's next? Does this sound like you? Are you a big dreamer? Do people look for, to you for where we might go next? I think about the vision criers in our lives, the people who, who build excitement into momentum, the people who can get us off our hands and on our feet, the people who know what's next before anyone else, the people so attuned to the big picture in ways that others seem to have never considered before. But there's risk to that. Vision criers, it can lead to less collaboration or room for other ideas. Vision criers can have new ideas for change and improvement that might be heard or misunderstood by some as a criticism of the current practices of the organization that they know and love, so those people become frustrated. Now, that would never happen in a church. That's a running gag, by the way. All three of these have had their shadow side. And yet, a good vision crier knows dreams must be paired with care and execution to transition into reality. And if there's something more challenging than transition, I have yet to find it. A vision crier analogy is that everyone else sees one thing, and the vision crier sees it another way. Jesus does this all the time. Jesus is a vision crier constantly to the people who he meets. No one else believes in Zacchaeus. No one. A traitor. A crook. Jesus addresses him. They can't do it. He breaks bread with him. They can't do it. He affirms him. They can't do it. And he comes to a new point. He realizes what's going on. And Zacchaeus has this complex moment, and Jesus names it. He says, today is my day to be a guest in your home, and today is salvation in this home. Jesus' vision of Zacchaeus is more powerful than any cynical human vision of him. And that's the same for how Jesus sees each one of us. My vision crier story is a complex moment that is just three days short of 10 years ago. On January 22nd, 2010, I was watching the final episode of The Tonight Show hosted by Conan O'Brien. That's right, I had a God moment watching TV. It does happen. This is really special to me. Please roll with it. So I'm going to give you a kind of a, a long story short. Conan O'Brien in 2009, took over The Tonight Show from Jay Leno. Jay Leno had taken it over from Johnny Carson, and so on. And uh, he was doing the show for not quite a year, and the ratings were okay. Not great, not what NBC wanted. And so Jay Leno unretired, and NBC gave him a show. And those ratings weren't doing as well as they wanted, so they gave him a new time slot. 
and then pretty soon they wanted to give him the Tonight Show's time slot. So the Tonight Show is actually happening tomorrow, after midnight. And the whole thing just stunk. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like Conan was getting a fair shake. It felt like it was more about the, the ratings and the money than the integrity of the art. I suppose it's a business, and yet still, it just stunk. Now, I don't want to debate who is funnier, Jay or Conan, because I love you, and I don't want to have to tell you you're wrong. But here's the thing. Uh, it's pretty obvious to most, no matter which personality you like more, or which person you think is more uh, funny, most people can agree Conan got a raw deal in this. And there are many people who are upset, especially young people who are more into Conan demographically. And some people got really mean about it, too. For me, at that point in my life, I was a very cynical person. Do you know the word cynical? Cynical is when you assume the worst about something and you're really crabby about it. That was kind of my ammo. I was cynical a lot. Assuming the worst of situations, of people, the kind of attitude that made you go, well, of course that's what they're doing. Oh, well, yeah, it just goes to show you, eh, nothing's going to happen. It's exhausting. But that's where I was. I had that a lot in my heart. And I was very upset about Conan. And so when I was watching that final episode of him hosting The Tonight Show, I was hoping he would really lay into NBC. I wanted him to rip into Jay Leno on national television. I wanted him to have that moment that he deserved because of what was going on for him. During his last monologue, he said, I am legally able to say whatever I want about NBC. I can say whatever I want here. He proceeded to thank NBC for around 20 years together. He then thanked his crew and supporters. He did not mention Jay Leno once. This is what he did instead. Listen to this. Podcast listeners, you can find Conan's farewell speech if you search for it online. Otherwise, here is the key line. I'm asking this particularly of the young people that watch. Please do not be cynical. I hate cynicism. For the record, it's my least favorite quality. It doesn't lead anywhere. Nobody in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get. But if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. Friends, I was 30 and a cynical soul. And when I heard Conan O'Brien say that, I wept. I really did. God spoke to me through that speech. Yeah, God used TV to talk to me. Conan didn't need my anger. Conan wanted my passion. And God doesn't need my cynicism. God wants my heart. And I made a decision that night. I decided my belated New Year's resolution is this. 2010 will be the year without cynicism. So in the year without cynicism, it meant every time I felt that attitude creeping in about something, I specifically tried to make a new choice. Whenever I felt that urge to go, well, it just goes to show you, I had to take a breath and step back and go, what's going on here? What's going on here for me? What's going on here for the world? Rethink the situation with a little more generosity. It was a year of being self-aware and giving myself self-care and being more caring and more giving and more happy. 
more happy. Decided to go from a default MO of complaining to something more generous. God cried out to me with a new vision for myself, and I wanted to live it. Almost a year later, on January 8th, 2011, I found out I would be a dad. Now, I am not a perfect dad. Yet, I can't imagine what kind of a dad I would have been if I hadn't had that year of intentional refinement first. My life's journey met God's heart and my conflex moment saw me in this role of vision crier for how God sees me to move into my next life cycle. This is not a story about how I did it really, really well, but a story about owning a moment in my life as a conflex moment, a God moment of, of owning my vision crier role. All of you this year are challenged to own your conflex moments, even if they come from a TV show to love them, to embrace them, and to share them, and let their light shine together. I'm glad to invite Becca Whitaker to come forward to share her story. Becca and her family joined our church just over 10 years ago by her memory, and she was active in Sunday school, in youth group, in life camp, and now as a young adult, she's at Inver Hills Community College studying technical theater, and she directed our Christmas pageant. So let's please welcome Becca. So you've been in this church about 10 years, yeah. which is about how long we've known each other through life camp. Yeah. So uh, as you look back on the last 10 years or so being involved in this church, like think about the vision that you have of this church. Like what's a clear vision of what this church's identity has been in your experience? Uh, in my experience, we've done a lot of service such um, like we've gone and volunteered at soup kitchens and Wesley Meals. We've done a lot with Veep and uh, the Super Bowl, where with the canned food and the canned food drive. We, that sounds like a lot of food now that I say it out loud. <laughs> but, but service, and like service is yeah. like, when you think Richfield UMC, you think service as part of a vision. Yeah. Okay. You told me this week about a conflex moment you had helping a friend come to a new vision of their identity. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so my friend identifies as uh, transgender non-binary, so they don't see themselves as the gender they were assigned at birth. So when you're, when you're born, the doctor holds you up and you're like, oh, it's a boy, it's a girl. My friend does not identify with that gender. Okay. Uh, doesn't identify with any gender specifically. Um, and they asked me to come. That's, that's a big realization about yourself. Yeah, it's a big, yeah. it's a big um, process, and it's a lot of thinking about who you are on the inside. And my friend asked me to help them find a way to project that in a physical manner through clothing and uh, style choices. So we went to the mall, and we, we talked a lot about our gender identity and how we see ourselves mm -hmm. and the gender that we identify with. Um, so, like, I present myself in a more feminine way, so I'll wear more feminine clothes. Uh, I wore pants today. <laughs> um, and so we talked a lot about how you can present your vision of yourself. Like gender expression, yes. I've heard that called? Yes, gender expression, how you express your gender. Cool. And, and where was God in that for you as a conflict moment? What was God doing? Uh, God was showing me that uh, just 
being there and um, being able to have a support system that you trust uh, to help you uh, bravely step into how you envision yourself in the world around you uh, is really important. And God really is there to help you find a support net that you can trust and feel brave with. Mm. Yeah. So this is a fellow young adult? Yeah, a fellow young adult. So my, last, my other question for you is, so you're almost 22. Yeah. What's it like being in your 20s these days? Like in the sense of, for you and your peers, finding that vision for who you are and like what the future holds, what's it like to be 20-something? It's really scary to be 20-something. <laughs> um, Can anybody relate to that? Was it a little scary when you were 20-something? A few nods, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. You're trying to figure out who you are and what you believe in the world. And um, I'm lucky to have a support system through this community and my friends and my family um, at church and in my school that are able to provide me opportunities to express who I envision myself to be and uh, what I see in the world, yeah. Becca, what is one of your dreams for your church? I want to reestablish the theater ministry that we had here a oh. while back, yeah. Yeah, so who was all involved in that theater ministry? Anybody involved in that? Did you at least go to a show? There we go, okay, there's the hands. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you were involved, I know that. So, so tell me about that, why, why the theater ministry? Um, Finding a creative outlet where you can uh, go and express yourself and learn more about yourself bravely is really important to uh, how people see themselves. It's a piece of who they are um, and being able to express that um, with their community that they trust is really important. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's keep visioning it and see what happens. Uh, let's please thank Becca for her witness and her ministry. Thank you so much. Friends, this church has actually told me a lot about the glory days of our theater ministry. In all those meet and greets I did this fall, this is probably the number one thing that came up about what we used to do that we really liked was theater ministry. Now, I am a fan of theater ministry that's done really well. There's a difference, right? But I would love to do theater ministry really well and to see what that looks like for our church. Sometimes good things lay fallow for a season— so we can pick them up with fresh vision and new goals. So call to action, friends. If you have any remembrance of the theater ministry that this church used to do, will you please reach out to Becca Whitaker as she keeps visioning what this could look like for our future. And an another call to action, in 2017, Gertie and I were in Godspell together at Lake Harriet United Methodist Church. It was a real blast. And today I want to announce to you that Gertie and B and I will be in Godspell again at Aldersgate United Methodist Church this March. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm John the Baptist. I'm going to go out there and sing Prepare Ye in the show. And I would love for this whole church to come out and experience Godspell, to experience theater ministry together. Godspell has got a powerful piece of my faith story, and I would love to share that with you. So details are coming on that soon. Friends, the primary leadership component is a window into powerful roles that we play in the church and how we arrive at complex moments in our lives. A complex moment is where your life's journey meets God's heart, and God puts these moments in our lives all the time. Are you open to them? Vision criers, 
You represent the zest of this congregation as you keep asking, where are we going? We need you to challenge us to reach for our full potential for this congregation in good and tough times. You bring the hope of Jesus to what we do. Thank you, and may God bless you and this church into its next life cycle. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2020. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.